0: Today I want to talk about when your dream turns into a nightmare. How many of you, how many of you have experienced test after test, trials after trials? And I know some of you who are here uh, who have experienced a number of those, you know, financial issues, health issues relational issues, all kinds of things. And sometimes they come like an avalanche, no? Or sometimes like a tsunami, one after the other. And you kind of think, Lord, I am really sinking and I am in trouble. And our faith is truly, truly tested. Sometimes we begin to ask, God, are you there? God, do you really care? that I am in such pain. Have you ever been there? Hello? (laughs) Or some of you are probably going through that. Like my niece, you know, um, she just came to know the Lord, and she got married, looking forward to have children. But the first one, was a miscarriage and it was so painful for her and you know she literally cried and was asking me why and then of course we prayed again and gave her hope the second time yes the baby was carried to full term the second time and when the baby was born found out that the baby had down syndrome and worst after about a year or so they found out that the baby had leukemia and wow what do you tell someone who's experiencing nightmares after nightmares kind of similar to the story that we're going to deal with this morning. And some of you are here, and you're probably experiencing nightmares, quote-unquote, trials after trials in your lives, and you're wondering, what is God up to? And sometimes, when God seems to be so silent, we are tempted to doubt Him. And worse, we're tempted to even give up our faith. I have been in the ministry for almost 50 years now. Can you believe that? (laughs) By God's grace, I have seen how the Word of God comforts and how the presence of God enabled me to go through Trials after trials, like what happened to my niece and during the pandemic was the worst part because the baby died and I had to speak at the funeral and provide hope. And how do you provide hope except turning to the word of the Lord? And allow the truth of the Word of God help us. This morning, my prayer is that if you are experiencing test after test, trials after trials, or maybe you know of some people who are experiencing darkness in your lives, that what we can learn this morning will provide hope and encouragement. For us. And there is encouragement. There is hope. In Psalm 105, verses 17 to 18, 19, we are told, beginning with verse 17, the psalmist says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tests us today. And I want us to see what God may have for the trials and testings that we may be going through. Amen? And this is my proposition this morning to all of you, and I want all of us to read this with me. God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God, okay? God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. And this is what we are going to see repeatedly as we look at some of the passages In Genesis that shows us that uh, indeed the story of Joseph tells us to practice the presence of God when we are experiencing trials, difficulties, nightmares so to speak now when we talk about nightmares here we're talking about the testing that God gave Joseph all right and when we talk about practicing we're talking about walking in the presence of God, walking in obedience, walking in trusting Him in His sovereign purpose and plans. And uh, one thing that we should always remember, even as uh, the narrative uh, was given by the author, uh, probably one of the most brilliant accounts of all the narratives in the whole scriptures was written here. In fact, some of the Bible scholars say that this is probably the most clever and the most brilliant presentation of the plot of a certain narrative. And that's why, you know, this uh, uh, Andrew Lloyd Weber, <laughs> yeah, the Broadway play about Joseph the Dreamer uh, was actually uh, done. And, uh, but the play doesn't do justice to what the scripture does give us in fact if you have read it i encourage you to read it again and again every time i read it i get so carried away not only by the emotions but also by the grandiose sovereign plan of god because what it will show you and me brothers and sisters is that For every trials, whether it's an avalanche of hardships and difficulties or a tsunami of problems that you face, God is in control. Can you tell your neighbor, God is in control? We are not, but God is. Amen? And sometimes, when when you and I are falling apart, so to speak, because of these overwhelming difficulties in our lives. It is so easy to doubt God, and it's so easy to begin thinking about quitting. And I have witnessed so many who have actually done just that. They quit, they lost their faith, because they were not able to really understand. And it's during this time, brothers and sisters, that we need to remember that the Word tests us. And if it's a test, you know, God is behind all of this. Not necessarily the evil that we do and other people do to us, but that God in His sovereign plan, is actually saying to you and me, just like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8:28, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And we usually stop there, but we forget verse 29, where it says that all these things that He is causing to work together, all the failures, the pains, the trials, difficulties, Tsunami, avalanche of problems, God is putting together so that you and I, it's for our good that He's doing it, so that you and I will be conformed to the image, to the likeness of His Son. Why are you experiencing pain right now? Why? You know, my my colleague who has been battling stage 4 cancer for the last six years, are still in pain and going through chemotherapy, funds are getting low. Why? The Word of God tells us that it is for us to be conformed to the image of His Son. And sometimes you and I may say, Why does God allow these things? Can I just go through life without this, you know, and everything will be smooth? And James said, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials because it's good for you. You will have endurance and you will become mature, mature in character. And I, I would like to remind everyone that even as we go through the Word, one of my uh, mentors at Dallas Seminary said this, Bill Lawrence, as long as truth is theory, it blinds. As, on, as soon as truth Becomes real, it breaks. All the truth that you hear Sunday after Sunday, week after week, in your live groups, sermons, you hear here, online, it, the Bible that you read, you know, the truth you read in the scriptures, as long as it's theory here and not here and here, the heart and hands, it blinds we become like Pharisees. We go through the motion, we attend churches, we do serve God, and yet if our hearts are not affected and not transformed, it's not applied into our lives, the effect is just like the Pharisees. We become just like them, hypocrites. And that's why a lot of people hate to go to church because they see that a lot of hypocrites in the church. But it doesn't have to be that way as soon as truth is applied and as soon as we apply what we're going to learn today in the scriptures, brothers and sisters, what this one is saying is that you will be set free from the lies of the enemy that sets you in bondage. You will be liberated from what addiction or things that are causing you to be ineffective and causing you to doubt God. Amen? Are you still awake? <laughs> I hope so. Hello? Are you, are you still there? I'm, I'm sure you're still there. So when your dream turns into a nightmare, yeah, yes, I have seven here, right? And it's like, it's like an avalanche, no? I already told you a little bit about the story. This, when your dream turns into a nightmare, like uh, in Joseph's case, you see nightmare number one, Mistreatment by his brothers. Number two, thrown into the pit of rejection. Number three, sold and exiled into a foreign territory. Number four, he lost his identity. Number five, slavery to an unwanted job. Number six, punished for doing what is right. And number seven, forgotten by people he helped. Wow, it's quite a lot. I'm sure each one of us here has experienced at least one of this. No? If you're really honest, you and I have experienced a number of this. I have personally experienced quite a few of this, and I will tell you more about that. But let's look at uh, nightmare number one. No? So, yeah. you know, I already told you that uh, uh, Joseph, was loved by his father more than the others. and Genesis 37, 3-5, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his other sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a multicolored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. So they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. So what do we see here? We see a dysfunctional relationship. There's a father who favored his son, and that favored son became the object of envy. And not only envy, it became hatred. And they could not speak to him on friendly terms. Well, how many of us have been guilty? How many of you here are parents? May I see your hands? yeah okay and you can relate to what i'm going to say that some of us easily favor the compliant children right and what happens when we favor the compliant children the more quote-unquote rebellious you know sense that you are really favoring one of this and uh you know i i've been guilty of this myself and uh you know um it's good our children are pointing that out and we have repented. But if you are still doing that, please know not because uh, it could have this type of effect. Other children will envy the, the favored ones and it can cause even hatred, animosity among siblings. And now number five says that uh, then Joseph had a dream and we told it to his brothers they hated him even more. So the, the hatred was heightened because there was this dream. And what was the dream about? It was like, you know, Joseph was going to rule over them. And later, he was even going to tell them that he would rule even over his parents. So you can just imagine, yes, why the hatred was intensified. Okay. So maltreatment mistreatment of the family. How many of you have experienced that? Maybe not necessarily because of envy, but when I first came to Christ, I was the first one to know Christ in the family from a religious you know, family from the you know, major denomination here, or major <laughs> religion in our country. And uh, being the first one, they really hated it that I was baptized and I even decided to follow the Lord And decided to serve full-time. I left my job at SGV to join the ministry. And because they hated that, they threw me out of the house. I could not go home. And I found myself all alone at the Luneta Park, (laughs) crying my heart out to God. And while I was there, you know, because they were really calling me names and all kinds of things. It was a very painful experience. And some of you probably could relate to that. Some of you are the only believers maybe in your family and, uh, or maybe even as fellow believers because of your commitment to follow the Lord. You know, uh, your family members are persecuting you and hurting you. And while I was there in Luneta and crying out my heart to God, you know, the Lord spoke to me in a psalm which says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will lift me up. God has a way of encouraging us through His Word. Nightmare number two, He was thrown into the pit of rejection. When they saw Him from a distance and before He came closer to them, His brothers, they plotted against Him to put Him to death. And they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let's kill Him and throw Him into one of the pits. And we will say a vicious animal devour him, that we will see what will become of his dreams. So, from maltreatment to rejection. Rejection, oh no? that's the second point. second point is rejection. Right, if we review that, oh sorry. Yeah. Pit of rejection. How many of you have ever experienced being rejected. Right? Have you all experienced, okay, <laughs> some brave uh, souls there at the back? Okay. I think, uh, yes. Uh, it was mentioned that I occupied various leadership positions in our orga- organization. And there was one time when uh, the leaders, the global leader actually removed the local, I mean, not the local, but the regional re- leader of the country, of the countries, not country. And guess who was taken to replace that leader? I was. <laughs> and what happened was, because it was such a bloody transition, We didn't know how to transition properly. Some of you have probably experienced this. But the entire leadership team of that regional office rejected me, except one. They all left. And I was left with only one member of the team. And so you can just imagine the pain of rejection. And I could have easily felt animosity against them, why would they leave? You know, this is the calling of God. I knew God called me uh, in, even though it was not a very smooth transition. And yet, um, even if I had experienced that, you know, I learned from Joseph that uh, he really didn't harbor animosity towards his brother. Even if he did, all, he, all his brothers did this to him. And the third is uh, nightmare number three. He was sold and exiled into a foreign territory. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ismailites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him out and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ismailites for 20 shekels of silver. So they brought Joseph into Egypt. Wow, how painful that is that? Have you ever experienced that? Betrayal? No, Betrayal by your family members and this one being sold. <laughs> what a classic. Betrayal. And that was what he experienced. Nightmare number four, he lost his identity. Not only was he betrayed, not only was he rejected and maltreated, he lost his identity. So they took Joseph's tunic, the, the symbol of being favored, and slaughtered the male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the multicolored tunic and brought it to their father and said, we found this. Please examine it to see whether it's your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, it is my son's tunic. A a vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put on a sackcloth undergarment over his waist and mourned for his son's Many days for his son, many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters got up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, Surely I will go down to Seoul in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Remember, Joseph was only 17 when this happened. A young lad. Not only was he separated it wasn't his choice. No? He was forcibly separated and sold, rejected, maltreated, and all that. But now, he not only lost that favor, favor status in the family, he lost the entire family. But not only that, he lost his entire identity as a Jew. Now he is in Egypt where multiple gods are worshiped when i read this you know the first time i was out of the country was in 1982 i was 23 and i was out for like three years almost Uh, not not three years (laughs) i should say i should correct myself only one year almost not even three years Uh, you know the the tug of the home it was so difficult uh, that I literally cried. <laughs> I was already 23. So I can imagine, no? And, and that was by my choice as to become a missionary in Sri Lanka. And uh, this one is different. You know, it wasn't his choice. He lost literally his citizenship, <laughs> quote, unquote. No? Because now he became one of Egypt, Egyptians. Nightmare number five, he became enslaved to an unwanted job. slave literally, to an unwanted job. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. Yeah. How many of you have done a job that you really didn't like? (laughs) Yeah? How many of you have done a job you didn't like? Yeah, all of you have done jobs that you like. Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I remember when I was uh, a young seminary student, I I did odd jobs like uh, cleaning the toilets, you know, uh, uh, in the dormitory of the seminary where I studied. And uh, I was already a director of CCC at that time, and then I had to do that odd jobs, you know, and it was just kind of embarrassing, you know, and uh, I didn't tell my friends, <laughs> the, and even the people here, that I was doing those jobs, cleaning up toilets and cleaning, you know, although in America, <laughs> it's really not a big deal, you <laughs> know, it's like everybody does those things, but here in the Philippines, if you're doing that, that's just for the blue-collar people, and, uh, you know, it was I was kind of humble, but this one, yeah, I was treated well. No, I was paid well. <laughs> not, not, really without pay. In Joseph's case, no pay. Slave. unwanted job, from the payboard one. That's what happened to him. And la- number six, he was punished for doing what is right. And you know, you know this. How many of you have experienced that? Being punished, yes, I always see him. But you can identify with Joseph and with me. You know, you you were doing the good job, and yet you got the punishment. No, here then she told him. Of course, this is uh, when Potiphar's wife tempted him, and Joseph did not give in to the temptation, and so this wicked woman she told this story that hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make a sport of me but as soon as i screamed for help he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house when his master heard the story his wife told him saying this is how your slave treated me he burned with anger and joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Wow, how unjust. And you and I have experienced all kinds of injustices. Not just uh, in our community, at home, I don't know where else, no? All life is unfair. Don't you think so? And uh, <laughs> even now, a lot of corruption in this country. And uh, you know, the, the, these people are you know, using your money and mine. And they're, <laughs> they're enjoying it while the rest of us are working and suffering. Yeah, how unjust is that? And this one, no, is even worse. He was doing the right thing and he was accused of something that is a total lie. Wow, how painful that could be. And I don't know about you, but some of us have been accused of something. Like I've been accused that I wanted to be <laughs> the leader. That's why I got the position. And the truth of the matter is just, Lord, I'm just available. <laughs> you know, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> and then people maligned and attacked you. And what do you do in those days? when that happened we will see later and last nightmare he was forgotten by the people he helped and in this passage uh, yeah it's talking about the cheap uh cupbearer right uh, when all goes well with you remember me and show me kindness mention me to pharaoh and get me out of this prison so that's uh, joseph's deal because he helped interpret the dream I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Like how many of you have been in prison? No? Maybe none of you have been in prison. But this, he was in prison. And the cheap cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. And he forgot him. Wow. No? You have remembered that. You have helped so many people, and specifically, you sacrificed a lot, pero when you needed the help, wala sila, and they forgot you. How painful is that? Even your friends may have abandoned and deserted you when you needed them the most. And that's what happened to this guy. He helped, but then, they forgot him. What a nightmare, No? An avalanche, tsunami of difficulties and hardships. Seven that we saw. Some of you can probably relate to at least one of this. And this morning, you want to answer how. (laughs) How to deal with this, no? Yeah, let me show you quickly the contrast between Judah In Genesis 38, and Joseph, in Genesis 39. You know, some people think that uh, that chapter 38 was not placed properly because they didn't see the connection because the story started with Joseph. But then all of a sudden, chapter 38, it's just talking about Judah. And then 39, go back again to Joseph. But actually, uh, those who have really studied narrative, you'll see that the author has brilliantly positioned this chapter 38 to put in contrast something that he wants to highlight in 39. And I want you to see that. In chapter 38, Judah left his brothers. In contrast to Joseph, Joseph was forcibly taken by his brothers and to the Egyptians. He married a Canaanite woman. He bore sons who were wicked, and God put them to death. Wipe Shua died. He broke his promise to Tamar to give his last son, Shila. And then he committed incest with Tamar, his daughter-in-law, who pretended to be a prostitute. All the time, in the whole chapter of 38, you see someone, Judah, who is a poignant description of what happens when lust of the flesh rules and we shift to serve a false god self. That's what happens to Judah, which we shall see is the direct contrast of Joseph. This is what happens to a life that is lived in the flesh, pursuing the pleasures of this world and forgetting God. In a way, he left the presence of God. Joseph's story, in contrast, is a story of setbacks to come back. No, from the pet being the pet of Jacob, he ended up in the pit, Potiphar, prison, Pharaoh, palace to become the prime prime minister. Total of 13 years. He became prime minister at the age of 30. He started when he was 17. So long, no. The process of nightmares and difficulties could be that long. Kind of like, you know, uh, our chairman, and you know, our chairman, you know, he had the liver transplant 12 years ago almost. And we already had a memorial service for him before the transplant. He knew that he probably would not survive the transplant, and that was the most. Unforgettable memorial service for me. We were there in the church. We were conducting a memorial service for a chairman because he thought he would not survive the transplant, liver transplant. And yeah, by God's grace, no? it's been 12 years. He has survived and he has tried, And uh, Joseph thrived in those 13 years. And this is something to think about. What is conspicuously absent in the narrative about Judah is emphasized four times in Genesis 39. And you know what that is? What made Joseph triumph in adversities? What made him thrive in 13 years of nightmares? The phrase... The Lord was with Joseph, repeated four times. When the author repeats a particular phrase or word, no? In this case, phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, he is emphasizing a certain point. And here, I don't want you to miss what was absent in 38. Nothing was mentioned about God being with Judah. The fact is that he left the presence of God. Joseph, on the other hand, was with God. We cannot enter into the presence of God while we are rebelling against God. A.W. Tozer. And that's what Tozer said, that we can refer to Judah. The Lord was with Joseph, 39 verse 2, and because of that, Joseph prospered. 39.3, 39.3, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. Imagine, even a pagan Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. 38.21, in prison, even in prison, no? the Lord was with him, and as a result, found favor from the jail warden. 39.23, the Lord gave him success and whatever He did. What is being emphasized is the presence of God. And what is the presence of God? Now, Wayne Grudem, that's theologian, gave this dis- distinction about what we call the spatial and the special. No? The spatial presence means the omnipresence. God is everywhere. And we all know that, that God is everywhere. He can see Everything, no? And yet, there is what we call the special presence, which is what he's talking about here in Genesis 39, and that is the manifest presence of God in the life of each believer who trusts and obeys Him, like Joseph, okay? Understand? Whatever we are doing, and wherever we are doing it, we are acting in the gaze of God, we can't hide anything from Him. Psalm 139, 7-8 to 8 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Now, how did Joseph practice the presence of God? Because we were talking about the presence of God now, no? And as we observe, because this is a long narrative, 37-50, to 50, I want to summarize everything for you. And hopefully, with this, we can learn what we can do as we are experiencing some nightmares in our lives. First one is, he willingly submitted to God's sovereign plans. Nowhere, nowhere in the whole narrative, 37 to 50, and even in the New Testament, nowhere can you find anything negative about Joseph. Nothing was mentioned that he was complaining. No, he was grumbling. And nothing was mentioned that he was not trusting God. And what we see there, though for sure he was not perfect, but from all accounts, we can see that Joseph willingly submitted himself to God's sovereign plans. He could have easily rebelled, no? and he could have easily escaped, yeah? why, why did you think he submitted himself? No? I believe, and this is uh, uh, supported by what we read a while ago, in Psalm 108, that the Word of God tested Joseph. When God revealed his plan, his dream through Joseph, Joseph received a special call from God. And he knew what God called him to do. He had communication with God. And I'm sure during those 13 years, there must have been a lot of communication between Joseph and God. Though it was not recorded there. But you don't see him rebelling, grumbling, complaining. Wow, so unlike me and many of us. <laughs> no? When we're in pain, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? No, I'm serving you, Lord. And why? Why? No, And we sometimes, uh, uh, we, we treat God with a cold treatment. And we don't give our best because we think that we deserve more than this. Why are you allowing me to go through pain? Some of us, uh, if you can relate to me, <laughs> yeah, we cannot complain. And uh, Joseph did not. When we have a clear focus, his powerful presence eclipses our fear. We are not, Charles Wendorf says this, we are not overwhelmed by the tsunami avalanche of trials that come to our lives. And I know I have a colleague who has been treated for canc- stage 4 cancer for the sixth year in a row. Yeah, and still hanging up there, still teaching with us, not giving up. And uh, joyful, <laughs> amazing, no? Yes, because he is following the, exp- see, he is following the experience of, of, jo- of Joseph. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Okay? Just because you have an abalance of trials and painful situations doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. In fact, God is with you, in you, and He promised to sustain you. He promised to give you comfort through His Word, even through other mature believers. Secondly, he cooperated with God and involved His presence in everything He did. Whether He was in Potipar's house, in prison, or the palace, He involved God in it. When you are in pain, the best thing To always ask is lord what do you have for me in relation to this james said consider it all joy my brothers when you encounter various trials because it's good for your endurance and for maturity of character but it also says if you lack wisdom what does it say ask so it's good to ask god lord what do you want from me what do i need to learn through this painful situation Because obviously, God has something to help you be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. God has a purpose. And we need to always involve God in it. Okay? We need to always involve God in it. Don't go it alone. Always involve God. Lord, in this financial situation... What is your guidance for me, no? Are you, you know, are you disciplining me, <laughs> or do you want me to, uh, what, what right things do you want me to do? And often, you know, there are some Christians that when they have difficulties and finances, they quit giving, they quit supporting. When, you know, and I have experienced this that when we are in financial difficulty, we give more. (laughs) And you know what God does? Yeah, even though we experience pain by giving more, He replaces and gives us much, much more. Not always, no? But it's always the heart that God is testing us whether we we will still give and involve Him in the process. Are you involving God in your problems? Okay, can you tell your neighbor, involve God? All right? In everything, huh? Are our lives filled with the presence of God? How many things take the place of God in my life It's day? How many things take the place of God? Sometimes it's the ministry that take the place of God. Our work, our family. And they are good things, but uh, when they take the place of God and the presence of God, then we don't experience, you know, the special Presence, as opposed to just the omnipresence of God. In Genesis 39 9, this is the statement that Joseph did say in reference to the temptation that the wife of Potiphar gave him. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? How did Joseph practice? the presence of God, or walking in the presence of God, he resolved not to sin against God. And for young people, men, and even women in this room, we need to resolve in our hearts. Prepare our minds and our hearts, like Joseph, not to resort to sin against God. When you do that, your mind, your hearts, and your actions, behavior, are conditioned to obey, Amen. Last, I uh, fourth uh, second to the last. How did Joseph practice the presence of God? He practiced intimacy with God in the good as well as the bad times. His life was a life of praise. You know what? He named his sons Manasseh and Ephraim. Genesis 41:50 50, and 51. Yeah, it was uh, like a testimony. That imagine, no, when the sons were born, he named them in honor of God. God Manasseh, God made me forget all my afflictions and my trouble. In other words, he was saying, God healed me. It's a testimony of praise to God. And Ephraim, the meaning is God made me fruitful in the land of my afflictions. Tests that God gave is for a testimony. Don't forget that. When God give you a test, it is for you to testify. Okay? When God give you trials, it is for you to triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, In Christ, he He leads us into triumph. In Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who leads us into triumph. In Christ, He always leads us into triumph. Through all the trials of life, through all the difficulties, the promises that He will lead us into all triumphs. Are you being led by God to discover how you can triumph over your painful experiences? And some of you have been abused just like Joseph was. And yet, sometimes we get trapped by the pain. We get trapped by the bitterness, unforgiveness in our hearts. unlike like Joseph, who was able to release those who sinned against him because his life was a life of praise. And lastly, how did Joseph practice the presence of God? He was so... Uh, he was so God-centered. He was so God-centered. Every time, you know, even when Pero asked him to interpret the dreams, he would always refer to the fact that wisdom is from God. He would not claim that it was him who did it. His life was just so centered on God and giving the credit and the glory to God. So even in pain, you see the God-centeredness, and the presence of God in him, the special presence of God, made him whole and made him heal. Not that he was perfect, he was not. But what he has experienced in the presence of the Lord was made manifest to him. And the presence, you know, uh, Psalm 1611, the psalmist had, True David says that in in God's presence, we have everlasting joy and everlasting pleasure. When you have God and you have His presence, everything that you need, even through the problems and trials and difficulties of life, will meet you where you are. My question is, are we willingly submitting ourselves Rather than rebel against God. Are we cooperating with Him? And are we involving Him? No? In everything that we do in the midst of our pain? Do we resolve not to sin against Him? And do we practice intimacy with Him? So that just like Joseph, you know, when he was faced by his brothers, his brothers feared that he would Uh, get even with them, this is what he told them. Joseph said, everybody read with me, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What is or what are the worst things? That ever happened to you? Some of you, maybe broken hearts. <laughs> I was broken hearted twice <laughs> before I found <laughs> the right one. Oh, my wife of 35 years, and praise God, <laughs> I broke my heart so that I could find the right one. So, hey, don't worry. No? if you got broken hearted, God can heal you and give you even the best. Amen. <laughs> what else? One of the most and the worst probably was when my brother was murdered. Most painful. But God was going to use that so that I could help my family and myself be delivered from unforgiveness and could share the gospel message of love and forgiveness to the rest of the world because of the opportunity to forgive the murder of my brother. You see, what I'm trying to say here is the worst things that you are going through or you have gone through could become the best things, actually. When he has tried me, Job said, I shall come forth as gold. Job 23, verse 10. When your dream seems to turn into a nightmare, walk, practice the presence of God. God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. Can we also say that to ourselves? No? God is with me because I am with God. I walk in step with the Spirit of Jesus in my life. I submit. I don't rebel. I know this is good for me. Whatever painful things you may be going through and you have gone through, God meant it for good. Can you say that to one another? God meant it for good. And say it with feelings. God meant it for good. <laughs> Amen. And uh, the whole mark of our lives, work and ministry is the presence of God. Remember, Moses in Exodus 32? And the people of Israel, during that time, they said, unless you go with us, they mourned, no? Because God said He will not go. His presence will not go. But to Moses, the presence of God was everything. He said, if you will not go with us, you know, that, that's His plea. He interceded. <laughs> yeah. And because of that intimacy, no? He walked with God and he sought the intimacy with God, the presence of God. God granted that. And that's why the hallmark of our lives in ministry is the presence of God. Is your life, is your ministry characterized by the presence of God? Can people see that Jesus is really in you? You know, it's like uh, when I was working before, as I mentioned, you know, as an auditor, I was asked to pad our expenses and, uh, you know, report more than what is actually there. And uh, everybody was doing it. And I refused to do it because that's my conviction as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, I was threatened and I was basically asked to report to the, the head. And I, you know what I did? <laughs> yes. I shared the gospel with the partner. And the partner said, I envy you. You have a direction in your life. And you know what? You know, I, I was ready to be fired because I was basically uh, not obeying what they were telling me to do. And guess what? You know what God did? You know, when the ratings came out, I got the highest and the highest increase. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's because God wanted me to honor Him and God honored me. I'm not bragging here, but that's what God does when we honor Him. You know, we, people may not honor us, but I know. He is pleased. And that's what matters most. Amen? God is with us, and we can choose to have His manifest presence in us. And uh, I'll just pass forward this to this. <laughs> yes, This is my granddaughter, her only granddaughter. He, he just, she just turned two. But last, uh, last February, she contracted a very dangerous virus. She was having fever at 39 to 40, and she was confined at St. Luke's Hospital. And for about six days, 39 to 40, very dangerous for someone who's not even uh, two years old yet. And we were so afraid because that was still, you know, uh, COVID was still very active at that time. And I was in Sri Lanka, um, several thousand miles away, and I was really Bothered because, uh, you know, uh, we were so scared because people, even children, uh, die of this RSV virus. You have heard of that? And uh, so I rallied all the pastors, like, it's about this size. We were praying and praising God. When God gave me this passage in Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen 19 to 20, while I was having my quiet time, the whole night I was <laughs> not able to sleep. And God really spoke to me, and this is what He did. And let I I let each one of us read this with me, everybody. Please, blessed be the Lord, who daily bears our burden. The God who is our salvation. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belongs escapes from death. It shows only that God is the one who bears our burden. He is the one who is our salvation. He is the God of deliverances, even in light of illness, dangerous illness like that. And specifically, he said, to God belong, escapes from death. And that morning, together with the pastors, we were praising God and thanking God already that my goddaughter would be healed. And through that ordeal, you know, very difficult, no? <laughs> yes. And, you know, uh, God gave me this passage again in Matthew 8.8, 8, the prayer of the centurion. And I was literally, you know, a thousand miles away. I knew I could not reach to my family and to my son and his wife and granddaughter. That centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word. Just say the word. And my granddaughter will be healed. You know what God did? The following day, my granddaughter was released from the hospital without fever. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it's long. But regardless, He is the God of deliverances. He's the God who is our hope. He's the God who will be with us in the midst of our problems and our troubles, and afflictions. So, that Sunday, we were in church together and praising God. But what I'm showing you right now is just simply that in all the grand plans of God, there's a lot of things we don't understand, but we need to submit to Him and practice the presence, walk in the presence of God to gain His insight about the things that he, wa- he wants to see happen in our lives. For personal reflections, you can use this in your life groups. These are some of the questions that I raise. How have you been experiencing the presence or the absence of God in your personal life, family, and ministry? You may want to read Genesis 38 and 39. Is your heart more like Judas or Joseph? Secondly, how have you involved God in your decisions and actions? Results, anything you want to change? And lastly, what result do you need to have in the area you are most tempted in? Anything you need to repent, repent from to live in God's manifest presence consistently? Find another person and pray for each other today. Brothers and sisters, the Word gives us hope. He is sovereign. You can involve Him. Even if these are the sins of others or our sins that have led us into this painful thing, God is in control and is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can think or even ask. He causes all things just like He did to Joseph. He became the prime minister and he was used by God to save his people, save Egypt, and to save the line of the Messiah that up to today, we are experiencing the blessing promised to Abraham. It will continue on. Even though there is this uh, Israel-Hamas war, we need to pray for all of them as well. The plan of God will be fulfilled. It will lead to the salvation of so many people, both the Palestinians and the Israelites, because the gospel is for all people, that people may know that God cares, that God loves, that there is forgiveness and there is peace available in Jesus Christ. God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. How about you? Let's pray. Father God, I know that you have spoken to this crowd as you have spoken to me. And by your grace and for your glory, Lord, I pray. I pray for each one who may be suffering or who knows others may be suffering that they will be able to provide this hope. That the presence of God comforts, heals, provides deliverances. Thank you, dear Jesus. That the example of Joseph is a reminder of the of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate presence in our lives. He is Emmanuel, the one who promised, "I will be with you even unto the end of the age." So through the trials and troubles of life, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? In all these things, the Apostle Paul said, we are more than conquerors in Christ. And I pray for my dear brothers and my dear sisters, Lord, that they will have that conqueror mentality, that mentality that will always believe that you are accomplishing all your good purposes for all of us by your grace and for your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we're still alive, we survived the pandemic, we thrive, and we will continue to proclaim the love and forgiveness of Jesus just as Joseph fulfilled his purpose during his generation. For you be the glory and the praise. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen and Amen.